Hi, everyone, and welcome to Praxis No Filter, the message behind the vlog. I am your host, Dr. Stephanie, and I'm excited to continue on with the Advent edition of Praxis No Filter. Today, we are focusing on the concept of joy. Oh my gosh. And the guests that we have today, y'all, y'all not ready. Y'all not ready, but get ready anyway. Get a cup of tea, get a cup of coffee, grab a journal because this promises to be uh, an addition that you will not forget and you will want to have some notes to go back to. Monica Moody is a certified life purpose and career coach. She is a spiritual writer, a trainer and facilitator. She is the founder of Owning Change, an organization aimed at supporting the world with shifting towards love and grace. And she is our featured guest today to take us into the Advent concept of love. So welcome to Practice No Filter, Monica Moody. Thank you, Stephanie. I'm so, so, so excited to sit with you. I know we have both been giggly about this for weeks. and. We and- have. <laughs> <laughs> You all can hear the joy in my voice because she is a gem and we're going to just jump right in so that you can know why I say she is the truth. The tenet of Advent in terms of joy and thinking about who I wanted to invite to this conversation, Monica set on my spirit and she has done many, many things. I've had the opportunity to, uh, work with her in terms of her coming during training and facilitation with my staff at a former place of employment. But she's just written a book not too long ago, and it's called Be Yourself to Free Yourself, Awakening to the Life You Are Meant to Live. And I just want to tell (laughs) y'all, she opens in the introduction, and this is when I knew it was dangerous. Her opening line says, it was never supposed to be this hard, or excuse me, it was never supposed to be so hard. And that made me almost want to close it and throw it across the room because I knew then that it was a setup. So in her book, she speaks of a moment that didn't reflect joy. In fact, Monica, you describe it as your defining moment of grace. Tell us more about it and the impact that defining moment had on you. Yeah. So, you know, thank you for the invitation to talk about that because it is, you know, it's one of those real moments that I appreciate having opportunities to talk about because life gets real when life gets real. Right. And um, that moment that you're talking about was, you know, to others, it might not even feel like this huge you know, profound moment, but for me it was, and it was a a day when I had come in from doing something and my husband was, um, in the yard working. And when I came to the, um, house, when I passed by him, he said to me that he had rented some movies for us to watch. Um, I don't even know what was going on in my world at the time, Stephanie, I cannot recall the details, but I was in what some would probably call a stinking nasty place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so my response to him was like, you know, well, you know, it doesn't matter what you got. You never get anything I want to see anyway. You just went. (laughs) (laughs) Just cut him down. (laughs) (laughs) And um, in that moment, Stephanie, this is where the gift comes in. In that moment, my husband looked at me and it was something about the glance that he gave me that literally pierced my soul. Jesus. 
And I knew in that moment that I wanted to change. Mm. And the thing is, I wasn't a particularly negative person or anything, but it was just that the stuff would land on me and my moods would sort of shift just based on what was happening around me, like most people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so I I said, and I knew in that moment that I wanted to change and it wasn't, and that moment was an invitation to the universe to change me. And that's what happened. So, you know, from that, that moment, a series of events unfolded where, where I essentially, um, the, the universe sat me down in a physical way Mm -hmm. to, um, a fall down the stairs and some other stuff that was happening. And, um, in that fall, I had to sit literally for a few months. And during that time, all of these amazing resources flowed into me that set me out on a completely new path for how I started to see myself and how I started to see life. Oh, let's take a breath. That is amazing and powerful. And what I appreciated even more about it was that you said it wasn't something that was like super big. It was just how we move through life without being conscious of moving through the life. And it seemed like in that moment, your partner was able to just everything that he probably wanted to say. And it probably was even more powerful because he didn't say anything. He just looked. Exactly. (laughs) And you were able to see yourself reflected in that in terms of like, oh boy, this is, this is kind of, kind of large and looming and I might want to do something about it. Right. Right. It was as if I just saw myself through his eyes and I was like, oh yeah, this is not who and what I want to be. And yeah. And, and I think I mentioned in that, in that passage that you're talking about that, you know, um, the Buddha saying when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And uh, my teacher appeared um, in that moment. And like I said, set me on a completely new path. I love that. And, and what you are suggesting is that, you know, a lot of us, we, we assume and believe that joy is an external factor, or it can only be experienced in relationship with others, not within ourselves. And as you unpack that Buddhist saying, in terms of when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. How do you juxtapose that against thinking about the concept of joy? How does that align or differentiate? So for me, I think, um, You know, one of the things that I talk about in the book is understanding how we essentially how we can step into our power and step into a new way of being in this world. Mm -hmm. And when I say that the the when I call to mind that phrase for myself, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. It's like there's a, a way that we can approach life in we can approach life in such a way where it serves us and it elevates us and it um, shows us what's possible for the good that we can tap into on this journey. And like, once you learn what some of those uh, tools and strategies are for how to do that, then joy becomes an option for you. And as that joy, because the joy is always there, we always have access to it but we can't tap into it if our perspective does not allow for it. So once you start to make those internal shifts that give you access to that joy, and really so much of it is just about learning to shift your perspective of how you're seeing yourself and how you're seeing the world. And when you do 
that I know for myself, certainly I have gotten to a point where I've been doing the personal work long enough where that joy is just a background hum. It's just like a vibrational hum that's always present in my life. And so that background hum is not dependent on what's happening on the surface. It's always there. But the question is like, am I, am I conscious enough to tune to it? And so things happen in our lives. Things happen that make us sad, make us happy, that make us feel all of the emotions. But the key is this, the sadness, the grief, all those things can still happen because that's a part of the human experience. But that vibrational joy in the background is always there. And, and like I said, when we learn to tune to it, then we feel more grounded. We feel more secure. We feel more connected. And so that's really what I unpack in the book is teaching tools for how to access that. You better come on and preach two questions in. <laughs> two questions in. I told y'all this is what it was going to be like, that vibrational hum of joy. If we, I can, I can even visualize that as well as I can sense that in my body and my hearing and, and my connectivity to it. And you talked about accessing it. You, I, I love all of that. And in your book, you also talk about living a soul aligned life. I'd like for you to share your most humbling and authentic lesson that you learned about living a soul aligned life. Mm. Um, you know, I, you know, I, first of all, I, you know, how powerful I believe that you are and to hear you say the phrase even takes me to a place. So a soul aligned life, like that just feels so good. It does. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I have to share just your, your, your imagery, your language, your description in your book is so powerful and it's so tangible. So when I when I saw that, that's been that's been food to my soul because yeah. I want I want to live a soul aligned life. So I, I want folks to hear you describe that and talk about that so that we can all gravitate toward that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And, and the thing is, I get equally excited about those words. And it's like, yeah, I know that they show up in my book, but you've heard me say this before, Stephanie, mm -hmm. the work came through me. It is not my own. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. When I see that, when I hear it, I'm like, oh yeah, thank you universe, because that's beautiful. Um, but yeah, what, what is the most authentic lesson that I've learned about how to live uh, a soul aligned life? I believe that it all comes down to knowing how to surrender to the flow, surrender to the flow. And when we learn how to do that, then we are divinely guided towards our highest potential. But that whole letting go process, that whole trusting the journey, like that is the point of it all. And when we can use our tools to learn how to do that, then we set ourselves up to move towards that soul aligned life. Because even the imagery, like soul aligned, it's like you imagine almost like if you are a boat on the, on the river or something, and you're just kind of flowing down the stream and you can imagine the hand of the universe just gently guiding you whenever you steer off course. 
you know, in a gentle and loving way. And sometimes you end up over in the weeds and it's like, it's okay, come on back. Um, but we can't do that. We can't, we, we can't avail ourselves to that guidance if we're resisting, if we're trying to figure, if we're trying to force, if we're trying to make stuff happen. So truly the lesson that, the biggest lesson for me has been learning to surrender and trust the process. That's it. And, and as you were talking before you got to the word surrender, that was in my head and heart of like, that is surrendering, which is a big step, <laughs> but necessary. It's so necessary. And I think it allows us to live that soul aligned life that you were speaking of as we surrender. I loved in terms of your words of things are going to happen. That is a part of this journey, but it's okay. Yeah, is okay. You talk, you have a chapter, um, may grace be my first response. (laughs) And I love that as well. I love everything about it, but what are the strategies that you practice in terms of grace and self-love and and describe what you feel and believe that that looks like and also what it's not? Because I think sometimes we get tricked into believing it and it's not showing up. It's very inauthentic or a counterfeit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that chapter may grace be my first response. I, um, I was at a, uh, uh, festival arts festival, uh, a couple of years ago, actually I was hanging out with uh, another dear friend of ours, Ulisa Bowles. And- Shout out Ulisa. <laughs> That's right. Clark Atlanta University in the house. The three of us, we'll get, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But shout out right, right. when you listen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but there was a vendor who had, she was sharing some artwork and most of it was just messaging. And, and the message on one of the ones that she had was may grace be my first response. Girl, I bought that thing so fast. Listen here, you about, you were done. You were like, I don't need to buy nothing else. This is it. Yes, I was like, this is what I came for. And that's, <laughs> That plaque sits, it's, it's on the wall in my office and um, it constantly grounds me. May grace be my first response. So what does that look like uh, for myself, for others, the whole, because the, the, the grace and the love, the self-love, like those are paramount to everything in my world. And so they are real concepts. A lot of times we think, we think about things like grace and love as being like these airy, fairy kind of, you know, intangible things. But for me, they are practical. And so for that looks like, you know, being compassionate towards myself and others, being easy, um, allowing. One of the things that constantly grounds me is this understanding that every single person on the planet, myself included, is doing the best that they can do based on their own level of consciousness in any given moment. Mm. I walk to my husband in the next few minutes and slap his face. So wrong, right? On so many levels. But whatever it is about that moment, eh, based on my consciousness in that moment, that's what happened. And so getting to, and it's not to condone the behavior, but it's to understand that, you know, there is a work that's happening within us at all times. And so we have to understand, we have to honor that, and we have to be easy with ourselves because of that. So 
learned to just be extremely gentle with myself, um, to extend grace to myself. And I absolutely try to do the same thing in my interactions with others. Um, yeah, even in the mornings, like I have a, um, an intention. I, I always leave with a daily intention before my feet hit the floor. And right now, and this has been the one that I've been working with for a few years right now. Uh, and, and it says that, you know, use me to serve your, your people. And with every interaction, let there be love. Mm. And yeah. And so it creates that container. It reminds me of what, what the goal is. Every interaction, even if it's a hard one, somehow let there be some love in there. Let, let me to show up as love. Help me to be love. Gosh. Yeah, that's it. I mean, and in, in terms of asking, that's our expectation. I want, I want God to do that for me. How can I hold that, withhold that from somebody else? And that what you described gives a totally different uh, methodology to interacting with others, even in those hard spaces, because you are intending and intentioning to demonstrate love, no matter what it is, the circumstance. No matter what it is. And and that and I get excited about it, honest, honestly, Stephanie, because I feel like we are at that point in our humanity where we are being asked to rise. And it's no, no more conditional love, no more conditional grace. Hmm. Regardless, even if it's your um, there's a story with the and I, I think I might share this in the book, but it's about a woman who um her 16-year-old son was was murdered by another teenager. And I won't make the story long, uh, but ultimately she wanted to meet the person who killed her son. And she did. They finally granted her permission to do that. And from the moment that they sat together, she knew that something different was calling her. Ultimately, they ended up becoming friends. Once he was released from jail, he actually took up residence in the house right next to her my god this beautiful relationship that has evolved from that that's grace oh yeah it is grace and um those are the levels that i feel like so many of us are being called to and i want to touch real quickly um on something that you asked before too it's like what does that not look like because we have to understand grace does not mean that you don't hold folks accountable come on you know because that is a part of the, the love that is bestowed. Like, I love you enough to, you know, put these boundaries and these expectations and standards in place to say, no, this is not right. Let's be clear. But in terms of energetically speaking, in terms of how I hold you in my heart, I can still love you. I can still wish the best for you. I can still treat you with, uh, with, with a, a, a generous and, um, uh, even a precious love and an endearment, and I can hold you accountable. That's right. The the two are not um, opposed. Okay. Wisdom drop on that. Y'all put your cash app, (laughs) send forth your offering for that word right there. Because, and, and I loved how you said we are being called to a higher level. So we are presented with conditions and circumstances and opportunities for us to walk this out daily, if we oh, yeah. choose to do so, it's there. If we, because, and what I love about it, it's not only us because we have that expectation of others. 
right? Like (laughs) I want people to extend me grace because they don't know what it took for me to show up in that moment. They don't know getting a fragmented part of me or half of me is sitting next to a hospital bed for a loved one or I lost my job or that I don't know how I'm going to make my next rent or mortgage. Like, so we, we need to not only give that out, but we, we required it, it as well. So it's a good reminder yeah. to practice it because we stand in need of it as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you consider what this whole canceled culture looked like that we're a part of. Come on, come on. Like, what, what, are, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Just let's be tender with each other. Hmm. I love that. You also talk in your book, one of your chapters called entitled Align Power Tools, um, sharing the cultivation of thoughts that move one towards alignment. Uh, if you will, please elaborate on your own weaponry of sorts as we think about emoting and creating more joy. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. So, you know, to just give a little um, frame of reference for those who might be listening in, the the book is in four parts and, and it's basically a model for transformation It is what those four parts represent. The first one is awaken, uh, which is when you get the clue that something greater is, is, is possible for your life. Um, and you start tuning to the heart of the universe. Align is then pulling out the tools for how to start tuning to the universe and hearing the direction and the guidance. And then the last two parts are flow and love. And so with the line, that's like the meat of the book, because that's where um, so much of the work has to be done, because what we have to do is repattern how we see ourselves and how we see the world. And it's like we we have all these sort of default wirings um, that we're not even aware of. But when you start to approach life in a conscious way. It's like, no, uh, I don't have to see things that way. I don't have to get down that way. I can look at the situation and choose again. And so some of those tools that I talk about in a line are all of them funnel back to one basic truth. And that is our thoughts create. Our thoughts create. And no matter what uh, discipline you look at these days, whether it's religion or biology, you know, the research is in, our thoughts create. And so it's like, okay, if that is a fundamental truth that I'm going to tap into, how do I, how do I capitalize on that? How do I start to retrain myself to see things in a way that's going to serve me and that's going to elevate my life? And so just a few of those tools that I share in that chapter are Um, I'll just share a couple of my favorites. Yeah. The first one is um, we have to learn to look for what we want to see. So I I mentioned the whole default patterning thing. So we're in our, particularly in our society in in the U.S., we're trained to look for what's wrong. Look at the news. Look at the, you know, the kid shows up the report card. They have five A's and a C. What do we focus on? A C, right? Mm -hmm. we gravitate towards what is wrong. And so we have to rewire ourselves. And one of the way that ways that we do that is by looking for what we want to see. If you start looking for the good, mm. then you find it. And what we also know 
that, that happens is what we focus on expands. You know, you buy the red car and then you go out and you're like, oh my gosh, everybody's driving a red car. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> right. No, not so much, but that's where your focus is. And so you can extrapolate that and say that, you know, if you go out into the world and you're thinking everybody out here is aiming your nuts, well, guess who you're going to meet on your path? The nutcases alone. Exactly. <laughs> that's where your focus is. And those people will be will be kind enough to show up for you. But <laughs> in contrast, if you're thinking people are generally good and gracious and kind, then those will be the people that you, you will see on your path. So the most powerful tool probably in that section is look for what you want to see. And I can't tell you how transformative that has been, not just for my life, but for my clients as well. Um, some of the other tools, um, reframing, choosing to see things from a different perspective, looking for the good, looking for the gift in the situation, um, affirming and setting intentions. Again, affirm affirmations are so powerful. And I want to actually give um, listeners a, a quick tip a lot because a lot of people play around with the affirmations, but they don't have a lot of success. Uh, in terms of the results. And one of the, so let's talk about, sometimes I get ahead of myself, but let's talk about what an affirmation is, is simply affirming what you, what you want um, to experience in your life. And you're saying it in the positive, like you're saying it as if it's already done. Um, so an example would be, I am capable and I am strong. I am, um, I am wealthy and have everything that I need. So you say it in the present tense as if it is already done. So sometimes when people play around with the affirmations, they are saying them from a headspace. And from that space, it doesn't generate a lot of emotion. And if your emotions are not involved, then you're not going to change anything. But once you start to get those feelings involved and you really feel that thing that you're saying, and that's when you know that change is nearby because that's evidence of uh, the energetic power, so, so to speak, that you need in order to create that change. So my tip is, if you want to play with affirmations, don't say them in your head. Say something that feels within reach, something that's general enough where you can um, sort of tap into the truthfulness of it. So the difference would be saying I'm a millionaire versus all of my needs are always taken care of. Like most of us could probably say that second affirmation and really feel that. Absolutely. But you say that and you say it from your heart space. So I recommend putting your hand on your heart, closing your eyes, breathing what I call heart breathing, breathing into your heart and you're saying that affirmation at the same time. I have everything that I need and my needs are always taken care of. Whatever the thing is, but amplify it in that way. Just, those those are, are my favorites. Those are perfect. We just got some really good tools, y'all. And, and when you started talking, I was thinking I have a friend, her name is Pastor Arlene Mitchell. And she says, every time I speak, creation happens. Oh, yes. So what we put in our head, I couldn't help but thinking about Philippians in terms of whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, yes. whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, what is admirable, 
if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And, and that is what you are compelling us to do, to think about it and then seep that into our hearts and put that through our mouths for that to manifest and for us to believe it. We got to believe it in order for it to come forth. It, it can drop, it can, but yep. it's going to come and we can appreciate and see it as we've been speaking it. And, and that is joy. That is joy when you don't have it, but you are speaking it and believing that it's going to come. Exactly. All is well. All is well. Yes. You and I go back a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're both graduate students at Clark Atlanta University with you, Lisa, shout out. Uh, and both of us, we have young adult children who are living in a very different world um, that have a lot of comparison to look at. We, we did not know comparison unless it just walked up and we saw it. <laughs> but right. now in the privacy of their bedrooms or on their way to wherever in the car or just going through the mall, they can get bombarded with messages and images and uh, sayings from other people. What is the lesson you tell our younger selves that may resonate with our younger generation right now? What is the lesson that we know, you know now <laughs> that perhaps we yeah. didn't know then that could be helpful to them? Yeah. And that's, you know, that's such a big question. It's a beautiful question because, you know, I was just in a, um, a training yesterday where we were talking about how um, so many of our young folks, they are struggling at, in, in epic ways um, because the world looks so different and they're carrying an anxiety that, like you said, we, you know, we just didn't live in that world when we were coming up. Um, there are challenges, but it's very different now. And so with a, a lot of the young folks who I personally encounter, including my own daughters, I know that the thing that they struggle with the most is anxiety. Yeah. And anxiety comes in when you think about, so we, we have, we can live in the present, we can live in the future, we can live in the past. And the past is all about regrets and, you know, for what didn't happen or what did happen. And anxiety comes from dwelling in the future. And so for all of us, the admonition, so to speak, is to um, learn to be present in this moment. And so my advice for our younger selves and for the young folks today would be to stay in this moment, mm. moment as much as possible. Don't miss this moment because we um, so much as we've already unpacked in this conversation is about just trusting the journey, trusting that you are always where you're supposed to be, even when it doesn't feel like it, you are. And don't take any of this too seriously. Don't take it too seriously. Just be easy as much as possible because you will get to a point in your life, hopefully, where you'll look back and you'll realize all of the time that you wasted mm. worry. Jesus. All the time you wasted on the worry. So just try to be present, trust the moment, um, Trust the journey. Don't take it all too seriously. Amen. I want to think a little bit about, you've shared some practices that you engage in to deepen and experience joy. And I wonder if you have any specific recommendations, you know, beyond that as we go into you know, and it are, as we are in a holiday and end of year season, 
after so many people have experienced so much loss, not only due to COVID, but the ramifications of that, what are some rituals or things that you would recommend that people engage in terms of cultivating their own joy? Um, I'll share, I'll share, um, I'll share two, and then I'm going to touch back on something else that we already talked about as the third idea. Okay. And, um, we talked before about how the, the joy is always there, but we have to be quiet and still enough to tune to it. Right. And so step number one for me, step number one on my journey towards, um, landing on a conscious spiritual path was stillness. Everything starts with stillness. Mm. We can't hear the guidance. We can't tune to the joy. We can't see the beauty. We can't do any of those things until we are first still. So I would encourage listeners to start cultivating a practice of stillness. What does that look like? You don't have to necessarily become, you know, the A-lister meditator. Like it's not even that that intense. It's just, you know, for a few minutes a day, I'm just going to sit and be still. And I'm going to just try to be in this moment. Maybe I'm going to sit and write. Um, maybe I'm just going to cuddle with my, my puppy in an intentional way and just really be in the moment. So carve out moments for stillness as much as possible um, so that you can start to tune to and hear that guidance and hear, um, you know, what is calling you. The next thing would be to, um, you know, one of my biggest power tools, and I think it's amplified this time of year because the you can sort of ride on the energy of the collective. And that is to just move into a space of gratitude for what is. Um, in any given moment, if a hundred things are happening, you know, look for the things that are right and offer gratitude for those or, or look for the things that are good and offer gratitude. And like we said before, what you focus on expands. So if you start to focus on the things that you're grateful for, then more things to be grateful for will land on your path. Um, and then the final thing would be circling back up to what we talked about before, which is looking for what you want to see. Um, I, I often talk about the model that Jesus provided for us in that um, I believe that one of the ways that he healed was because he saw the highest and best version in another person. And he was able to call that forth. And I think that we have the same capacity to heal and to call forth that beauty. Um, but we have to look for it. So in your most challenging relationship, look for the good search for the one Oh, oh, no matter how small and tiny it is <laughs> in, in that person, focus on it, look for it and call it forth and make it bigger by giving attention to it. For the good. I, I knew that I would be feel tremendously with this conversation, but now that it has happened, I am in awe and just appreciate your wisdom, your vulnerability, your transparency, and just who you are. Thank you for being on Pratt's No Filter. I want to 
make sure that our audience can keep in contact with you, um, further engage your wisdom, tell them how they can get in touch with you, follow you, tell them about the book, all things, <laughs> keeping up with Monica Moody to bless your whole life. So go oh, for it, Monica. Thank you. Thank you so much, Stephanie. You know, this has been my greatest delight. I have been so looking forward to this. And, you know, and I, I welcome the opportunity to stay connected to folks who are tuned in. If anything I said resonated with you, hey, let's chat, let's connect. And so you can um, verse the book if, you, if, you, if you're interested in that. You can find it on Amazon and in most places where books are sold. Um, and um, Stephanie, you will know the delight that comes from being able to say that, right? <laughs> Listen here. Listen Wherever here. Wherever books are sold. <laughs> that is a whole message right there. Yeah, <laughs> but the book is Be Yourself to Free Yourself. And, you know, probably the easiest way to find it is by going out to Amazon. And then um, if you want to connect with me, you can make your way to my website at owningchange.com and sign up for the mailing list and I'll stay connected with you that way. Um, I'm on Instagram at I am Monica Moody. Um, and yeah, so those are the probably the best ways to stay connected. So owningchange.com. And I am Monica Moody on Instagram. Y'all, Monica Moody is the truth. We are stretching forth our arms in podcast land and asking God's continued blessings upon you, upon your nets, upon what you're doing, upon your intentions, upon your family, your ministry, and all that you touch. Thank you so much for blessing us today. Y'all stay tuned. Follow up with Monica definitely do it follow her she dropped some gems uh tuesday what's the tuesday you drop gems on tuesday too um yeah you know the week is a blur now i can't even remember but <laughs> <laughs> so you all can get that because sometimes i go through my monday and i find my tuesday feeling like the monday if i'm not careful so be sure to check that out and y'all and Tune in next week. We will have our final edition of Practice No Filter in terms of Advent, and we will talk about peace. Uh, we'll see you then. Take good care, y'all. Thank you, Monica. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you for the work that you're doing. It's so beautiful. <laughs>